I am going to tell you all about my trip to New York City. That's right. This is this is as much for you as it is for me because this will be the last time you'll ever hear me talk about this trip um, and how successful it was and what I learned from it. And also, it will clear up some of the things people have been saying about me. Natapilok ba ako? Nagka-COVID ba ako? All, all true, by the way. We'll get into that in depth a little later on in the episode. But before we proceed, I have to warn you and say that this episode will be stand-up heavy. It will just be about stand-up comedy for 90% of the time and the 10 remaining percent will be dedicated to New York City. If you are unable to bear... My fat ass talking about one of the greatest cities in the world, then it's okay. We'll see you next week. But if you're still around and you want to stick around for the type of stand-up that New York City has to offer, then I am all the more here for it. So thank you for sticking around as I talk to you about when I arrived. I arrived um, June 1st of this year, a good 21 days, or sorry, 14 days after I was supposed to be back. Uh, I was supposed to be back March 21st, uh, Manila time, and because of things that were beyond my control, I had to stay an extra two weeks. But that's a little premature because, you know, this. a lot of people might say, nah, I'm not in New York. <laughs> you know, that's only for uh, the Marcoses, right? That, that, in all honesty, my trip went so well up until the time I got COVID, right? Up until the time I got COVID, everything was going perfectly. I got to perform so much stand-up in New York City. It was incredible. Because I left the Philippines with one goal in mind. To see if I could actually do this. If I could actually become a stand-up comedian in New York City. That was a viable goal for me. And by viable, I mean nakakatawa ba ako sa Americano. It's, a, it's such a thick accent in that word. But uh, I just, I just want to know kung kaya. Kasi it's just... 
New York City is so venerated by comedians all around the world that it is so hard for them to imagine what stand-up comedy is like there. You know, everybody knows of places like the Comedy Cellar, which is this world-renowned comedy club where the likes of Louis C.K., Dave Chappelle, Ray Romano, Jerry Seinfeld all got their start. You guys, I've been to the Comedy Cellar. You know where it is? It's right next to a vape shop. And right across an Indian restaurant. I'm not kidding. That is where the comedy seller is. So that's how you know how big stand-up is in New York City. Because a place that is so venerated, so revered by comedians all over the world is just in a random street in New York. It's not a random street. It's McDougal on, uh, in the Greenwich Village. But it's neither here nor there. You know what I'm trying to say, right? It isn't, it isn't that special. In fact, comedy clubs in New York City aren't that special. You walk at two blocks any direction, you will hit another comedy club. I guarantee you. Right? Comedy clubs in New York are like Jollibees in the Philippines. They are on every corner. That is both exaggeration and 100% true. My very first day in New York, well, I was just sleeping because jet lag. But the next day after that, I went to the Greenwich Village where all these clubs are, and I got to perform stand-up three times in one day. Three times in one day. I'll put it in context that people might be able to understand. In that same three-block uh, radius, there was uh, a girl who was the host of two of the open mics and who just did a spot at the third open mic. All three mics I've been to in that same spot, right? This girl started her night with one crappy premise and ended the three open mic run with a brand new five-minute set. She was able to do in one day what a lot of comedians in the Philippines take maybe a week to polish. Because we just don't have enough rooms here. Diba? So they have the rooms they have in a day, we have in a week. That's how much stand up there is. And when I was able to go there, I was, I'm gonna admit, I was a little bit intimidated. Like I didn't belong here. This is next level. I am now a, a big fish in an even bigger pond. I didn't want to call myself a small fish because somebody might be out there. Saying, um, no, it was just such an overwhelming experience. But then the time came when I got up on stage and I did my jokes and I got that first laugh. That's when I realized that I could actually do it. It's a possibility for me to do stand up comedy there. And it just made me even more hyped for all the other spots that I got to do. The very big, very Asian comedy festival was a comedy festival ran by local Asian-American comedians in New York City. And that was the sole reason I was there in the first place. So I got to do that. I got to do two spots in that festival because they all realized that I was the only real out-of-towner in that festival. I came from Manila after all. 
Diba? The next farthest guy came from like Houston, Texas. So, anong mas malayo? Manila, Philippines or Houston, Texas? Diba? Bigyan na natin dun sa Pilipino. Diba? So, I got to do two spots there and I swear to God, every single time I got to hear the laughter of a foreign audience, it just ah, it gave me a comedy boner. It really did. It, it, you realize that every time after I did my set and I got a laugh and people went up to me and shook my hand, all of them were white. All every single person that was in that audience that was watching these shows, they were not Filipino, they were not Asian, and they were just there watching. And after that, me, a guy who flew two flights and had to be laid over in Qatar, got to share, got to see a room full of strangers laugh at his jokes. And when I tell you that so many white women shook my hand that night. I mean, oh my God, if I stayed there long enough, I'm pretty sure I was going to be able to sleep with a white girl for free. <laughs> you know, that's how incredible it was, you know. And I got to do another club in another venue called Stand Up New York from a new friend uh, in the comedy scene from Mr. John Borromeo. John Borromeo is also a Filipino comedian who's primarily a booker for stand-up New York. And when I was in town, he was kind enough to give me a spot Saturday night, the prime time spot in stand-up New York, where a lot of these other clubs exist. So I got to do this spot with stand-up New York. And I was with some serious veterans in New York City, actual people who did TV shows. And have been doing stand-up for the longest time. These guys have been doing comedy for so long. They were not even in the same generation as I was. I was a millennial. They were probably boomers. You know, they were so deeply entrenched in comedy that I was I was a little intimidated. I'm not going to lie. Because out here in the Philippines, not that I'm flexing or anything, but I am what they consider a vet me. Jimmy Labrador, uh, Victor Anastasio, even uh, all the way back to Marlon Olivan, Turf Hebrado, Alex Calleja, I mean, vets. So I, it didn't even occur to me to meet somebody who's been doing stand-up comedy for 20 years, 25 years. So it was a little intimidating, but then I got the laughs from that too. 12 minutes in front of a room full of strangers was just not anything you can ever imagine. And I'm so glad that I was able to do it. But at the same time, so very disappointed in myself because that very night, the phone that I used to record the video of my comedy in, decided to die. And the video, along with all the pictures of New York City, is now gone. It, it is now only a memory. That is why you don't really see me post a lot of, of this uh, trip. You only have my word to take from it. Right? This is really determined how credible you think I am. But at the same time, my God, 
this trip was so much more than I could ever imagine. All the good and the bad that happened to it, it was all worth it because I could never imagine myself doing stand-up there. And now that I did, the only thing that's in my mind right now is how long can I do stand-up there? How sustainable is it for me to be a professional comedian? Because I know people who are professional comedians who can actually say comedian on their tax forms or their occupation slips. They can actually mark themselves as comedian and are able to pay taxes with their earnings from doing comedy full time. That to me is the dream, you know? Because it shows people that I am a legitimate, I am in a legitimate industry. By people, I mean my parents because they are Asian. And that is is the best proof, that is the best accomplishment for Asian parents. If you can pay taxes with what you do, right? So, (laughs) what's that, guys? I know I've been, I might be speaking in circles now again and again, but... 13 minutes in, I was still even haven't covered the fact that I twisted my ankle in Times Square. That is a fact that happened. Um, but you know what? When that happened, I twisted my ankle in, in Times Square. It didn't hurt in that moment because I was so keenly focused on doing comedy that hindi ako nagutom, hindi ako napagod, hindi ako nahapo, hindi ako inantok. It got to a point where all I was focused on was doing comedy. And all I needed to do was my set and then boom, the next spot. And then another set and then boom, the next spot. It suddenly became automatic to me. Back in when I do back-to-back sets because I always thought, ah, isa lang yung kaya kong gandahan dito. Pagod na ako by the second set. But in New York, you did not have a choice. You either swam or you sank. And even with a broken ankle, even with a twisted ankle, I had to swim. Did not have a choice. I had to get on those subway trains. Had to walk those many blocks, even with a twisted ankle, because I did not have a choice. And because I did not have a choice, I was able to do that much stand-up. Honestly, I feel like all the money that we spent on this trip all the money that cost it cost me to like get get a hotel because of COVID, you know, get rerouted to different cities just so I could get home. All of that was worth it. Even if I'm paying for it until now, all of it was worth it because it showed me that this path that I am on is a very, very strong possibility. I can actually do this for a living. And it doesn't have to be here. I don't have to be Mr. Kesso for the rest of my life. No offense, school pals. But at the same time, I have a lot more depth that I can offer. So I, I want that for myself. And I want to be in a part of the, of the world where I can do that for myself. So now my goal 
from here on out until it becomes reality is to prepare for New York City, is to work my way back to that city. It's not going to be easy. It's one of the most expensive cities in the world. It's also going to be hard because I only have one uncle who lives there and even then, he is very old and I don't want to inconvenience him like that. Before I left for this first leg of the trip, my focus was just the set. Every single set I did was for New York City. Now that I am here, every single set that I will do is so that I could get back to New York City. Kasi kaya siya. And kakayanin ko siya. And I guess I've prattled on long enough about my trip. This is, again, this is the last time anybody will ever hear from me about it. Unless you talk to me about it, then ibang usapan na yun. But you will never hear me talk about my trip to New York ever again. You will hear me, however, talk to more people on this podcast. We are back to our regularly, regularly scheduled programming, as I would like to say. Uh, this week, we have Rio Estuar of Rio Tasso, who talks to us about the fashion industry and sustainable fashion in the Philippines. It is Kung isipin nyo na, na full-full yung usapan namin, na ma-arte, fashion, ooh, highfalutin, ooh, designers, ooh. <laughs> like, I don't know why it sounded like Tim Gunn at But, if isipin nyo na ganun yung usapan namin, then you are in for a treat kasi hindi. Sobrang hindi. And I really hope you guys stick around for that episode. But until then, this has been a Podcast Network Asia production, powered, of course, by Podmetrix. I have been Chino Liao. Goodbye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia the hosts of the program or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.